Who's ready for more defense pain? I know I am. I'm so excited for Chalk Bears D to go for two defensive scores. Welcome, guys. My name is DK, here to break down the kind of gross Thursday night football show. Let's say we've got Washington, Chicago, uh, but there's a million dollars up top. That's usually what I say if we have a really disgusting game. At least there's some big money to be won. Um, if you guys are new, uh, I do cover content for DraftKings prize picks <clears throat> and NBA Top Shot. Um, prize picks is the sponsor of today's video. You can use the code DKDFS for a 100% match up to $100. Price Picks, again, is a player pop site. They have a lot of different sports you can mix and match. Uh, basically, how it works is you can pick two up to five entries and win up to 10 extra money. So if you're a first-time user, take advantage of that code DKDFS. Take advantage of the free $100. All right, so let's quickly recap my lineup here from Monday Night Showdown. So <clears throat> that was a good showdown slate, right? That was a good showdown slate. I just missed the cash here in tournaments, but I do not regret the way that I played it. Uh, just got a really, honestly, unlucky with the way that the game flow, right? No one expected the Raiders to be up by 17 in Kansas City. No chance, right? The Raiders were seven-point underdogs. So what I was expecting here, obviously, was the Raiders to be playing from behind. That's why I went to a contrarian Hunter Renfro in the captain. <clears throat> and you saw in the last drive, right? On the last drive, when the Raiders were playing from behind, you had two big catches for Renfro. So, um, honestly, I think it just got a bit unlucky with the Raiders jumping up to a 7-point lead, 17-point lead, and then they just grounded and pounded Josh Jacobs the whole game. And I talked about that in the video. I was like, if you think the Raiders are going to be playing from ahead, you want to look to Josh Jacobs. That wasn't the way that I was approaching it. I was hoping the Raiders were playing from behind. But <clears throat> if you play Jacobs, you did great, right? Because they were playing from ahead, and they just literally ran the ball the entire game. But yeah, the rest of my lineup, Mahomes smashed, Adams and Kelsey both smashed. So yeah, going right from the captain allowed me to get those three. I took a shot in a low on Hardman. That worked out in a huge way. And then Sky Moore was my filler, went for three and a half fantasy points. So that is the recap of Monday night's slate. I am extremely happy, finally. Even though I missed the cash tournaments, I am so incredibly happy that the CEH slappies were finally, and rightfully so, punished. Finally, I and mean, he almost scored bail people out, right? He got tackled the one. I would have been so incredibly mad if he did. Um, but yeah, people that, that kept chasing CEH touchdown luck finally, finally were punished. All right, so gross game, as I said. Um, it is a 38 over under Bears and Washington. The Bears are one point favorites. Two bad offenses going up against each other. Yuck. Yuck, yuck, yuck. All right, we'll start off on the Washington side. Carson Wentz is at the top of 10.6K. So been a little bit banged up with that shoulder injury. Um, I think he's a pretty solid player at the top. Um, I know he hasn't been amazing, but <clears throat> this is, as I always say with quarterbacks, relatively safe plays on the showdown slates. He's had a couple bad games. He's also had a couple solid games, right? 30 fancy points here, 32 fancy points here. And I'm not expecting 30 fancy points at once, but on a slate where... There's not a lot of great spend-ups that I do think Carson Wentz makes for a pretty good option there. Uh, Terry McLaurin's at 9K. He's kind of had a quiet season to start. You know, no big, real real huge games. Already had 19 here. Averaging, like, all fancy points a game. It's not bad, but it's not great. Now, he's still their wide receiver one, but you have had Curtis Samuel getting a lot of targets. Now, if you take a look at snap counts last week for Washington... No surprise, Washington's a team that basically just play their skill position like their top starters and play them the entire game. So you have McLaurin play 62 of the 63 snaps with Samuel playing 57 of the 62. So McLaurin is the wide receiver one, um, does still have big play upside, even though we haven't seen it from him. So like him, I do think Samuel may be a little bit safer just for the amount of targets he's been getting. But uh, I think the ceiling's a bit higher in a guy like Terry McLaurin. So ceiling, you look to McLaurin. 
floor. I think you look to Curtis Samuel. Right now, he's getting a few more targets in the slot. Again, just has a little bit of a higher floor. So both the main Washington wide receivers, I do think, look pretty good. And it depends on how you want to play it with the, you know, if you're shooting for the ceiling or if you're shooting for more of the high floor. Running back situation is kind of a mess. And this one's, it's hard to feel confident about any of these running backs based on the snaps we saw last game. So Gibson still started. He played 20 snaps. Ryan Robinson played 18. And J.D. McKissick played 26, basically out there for all the passing down plays. So three-headed monster, basically a three-way split. It's hard to feel good about these guys at the price points. You have Gibson at 8-6. Still did have four targets, but again, McKissick's going to be mainly their passing down running back. You had Brian Robinson get more of the early down work, not really involved in the passing uh, in the passing plays. And J.D. McKissick is the third down back, but he's also expensive. So... <laughs> It kind of depends on game flow. I guess if you think the, the uh, commanders are going to be playing from ahead, you can maybe look to Gibson Robinson, even though I think they're overpriced. If you think they're playing from behind, I think McKissick is obviously the guy you want to look to. But hard to feel good really about any of the running backs. I guess my favorite would be McKissick since DraftKings is full point PPR. But the downside here is if you play J.D. McKissick and Washington goes up two scores, he's really not going to be utilized that much. And a couple pieces of injury news we got to keep an eye on. So, Jahan Dotson missed last game with a hamstring. He was he did not practice on Tuesday. So, I mentioned in the main slate video how I liked Diami Brown as a contrarian value play. Right, We talked about it in the YouTube video, and Diami Brown smashed one for 27 fancy points at 0.2% ownership. So, if you guys played him, you probably had a good day. Now, Here's the thing. Deami Brown did not get all those snaps, right? He only played 20 of the 63 snaps, where Cam Sims played 37. Now, I'm not sure when Deami Brown got banged up. Um, so if you guys know when he got a little bit injured, um, let me know. Maybe he started the game and then came out early. I'm not sure. I didn't watch that game. So if you guys do have some information on that, <clears throat> let me know. Um, or if there's a way to see, like, first quarter, first half snap counts. But, yeah, Deami Brown had a big game. But did only play 20 snaps, where Cam Sims actually outsnapped him, even though he didn't do much. He did have uh, one catch. Again, he played on 37 snaps. So if there's no Dotson, Sims and Deami Brown both in play. But um, if Sims is going to play more than him, then I think you can look to to Cam Sims at 1.4k. Taking a look at the snap or taking a look at the depth chart, though, they do still have Deami Brown listed ahead of Cam Sims for what it's worth. And then if Dotson plays, I like Dotson. But right now, it's looking like he's not going to play. The kickers, I always like the kickers. The kickers have done extremely well recently in these showdowns, right? Um, going for double-digit fancy points a lot. You're seeing a lot of 50-yard field goals. So in a low total game, I think both kickers are good value plays. The commander's defense is in play here. They are in play. Hasn't really, haven't really been a great defense. The downside here, too, is... Chicago's a run-first team, right? So they're not going to pass it a lot, which means not a lot of opportunities for sacks. But I still think in a low-total game, you can look to the commander's defense. And then Logan Thomas is another um, injury at the monitor. He did not practice on Tuesday. If he does play, I actually like him for value. 2.2K does feel too cheap for Logan Thomas. If he misses, he saw two tight ends kind of fill in. So John Bates played 37 of the 63 snaps, and Cole Turner played on 32 of the 63 Bates played on 23 passing plays. Cole Turner also played on 23 passing plays. So you had two tight ends kind of fill in there. But Bates was the one that got uh, the looks, right? He had three catches on three targets. He's only $3,000. Where Cole Turner had three targets but no catches. But looking at the price points, right, Cole Turner is $200 as opposed to John Bates at 3 k 
But do think you can make the argument to go to a Cole Turner at 200 over Bates. But both tight ends would be viable values if Logan Thomas is out. Again, we covered Cam Sims. I think he's playable. Um, I think that's it, though. I don't really think there's anyone else to mention. Dax Milne, or however you pronounce his name, only played one snap. Uh, wide receiver five. So, yeah, I think that's it for Washington. Let's move on to Chicago. So, Chicago, again, they're a run first team. They're really not passing the ball a ton. Dave Montgomery came back from injury and, and got basically bell cow work. At 12 carries, four catches on four targets. Um, he's 10.4K. He's expensive, but I think he's a pretty safe play. He saw 36 of the 50. So I guess not true bell cow, but he did get a majority of the snaps, right? About 75%. Where Khalil Herbert only saw 14 of those snaps. So <clears throat> I do think Montgomery's a pretty safe play. I also like Justin Fields. Um, I guess he aired out a little bit more last game, throwing the ball 21 times and completed 15. But this is what I like, right? The ground game. 47, 52, 47 yards in the ground. So he does provide that floor. We really haven't seen a big game from Justin Fields yet, but if he if he can run in, you know, one or two scores in this game, obviously the ceiling is there. So uh, I think Montgomery and Fields are both pretty safe plays at the top. Wide receiver one, uh, Darnell Mooney, a little bit of a riskier play just because they're like really not passing the ball a ton, but he still is their top guy. Six, five, and five targets through three games. I think he's a viable tournament play. Probably wouldn't go there in, in a cash game setting. Herbert feels too expensive unless something happens to Montgomery. He did only have four carries last game. Again, only 14 of the 50 snaps. So does feel a bit overpriced there with Khalil Herbert. Um, Cole Komet is 5-2. I mean, he's their second best receiver, right? Him and Darnell Mooney. Um, <clears throat> he's had three, three, <laughs> three, three, and four targets through three the last three games. I mean, he's playing basically the entire game, 45 of the 50 snaps. So Again, playable. St. Brown's getting the wide receiver two snaps. Um, he hasn't done much of them. He's played thirty. He played thirty-one of the fifty snaps last game. Two targets each of the last three games. I think I'd rather go to Komet if I was going to play a secondary receiver here on the Bears. Again, I mentioned the kickers. Cairo Santos. Cairo Santos. Pretty good value. All right, you ready for chalk Bears D talk? I know you guys are ready for it. So the Bears D at $4,000 at home in a low total game, they are going to be massive. Now let's recap. This is a concept that does take time for people to understand. So if you're a beginner DFS player, you probably won't get this. But let's just recap a couple of plays from last, from Sunday, um, that were bad plays that ended up getting there. So. Bad chalk can still do well, and people can kind of overlook it. So here's one example of a bad chalk play that got there on Sunday. Chalk Cowboys D. Now you might say, <clears throat> sorry, DK, how can, you say the, how can you say the Cowboys D was a bad play when they went for 20-plus fancy points, right? How can you say that? Well, I'll answer that question for you. All right. So it is statistically proven that playing a chalk defense in GPPs on the main slate is a bad idea. There is almost no correlation between ownership for defense and points. And here's the reason. When you play a defense in tournaments, you're hoping for a defensive touchdown. 
Defensive touchdowns are so incredibly random. Literally any defense can get a defensive touchdown. So, even though the chalk uh, Cowboys D got there for people in tournaments, they were a bad play, right? It is not a good play. Now, in cash games, it's a different story. Totally fine if you played Cowboys D in cash. But in tournaments, at, at the ownership they were at, not a good play, right? They were not a good play, but they got there. You can look back a few weeks before when the Bengals were massive chalk. That's where people were punished, right? People played the chalk Bengals and were punished for it. They did very bad. And like 40, over 40% of people played the Bengals D. I've talked about this a lot. Defense is such a high variance position that, especially on a showdown slate is a little bit of a different story. I know we had a couple people commented on my last video about the show on slate is a different story. I agree. I agree. It is a little bit of a different story. But yes, the Cowboys D in tournaments was a bad play on Sunday, but it ended up getting there, right? So you have to think about it, right? Just because they got 20 plus points doesn't mean they were a good play in tournaments. Here's another example. Talk Nick Chubb, right? He was 20% owned in the millimaker. That was not a good play. Now, here's the reasons why, right? It's a split backfield with Kareem Hunt. He has no involvement in the passing game. So at his price, uh, what was it, over $8,000? He literally has to score a touchdown. You cannot rely on Nick Chubb scoring multiple touchdowns a game for him to get there. But he... Bailed out people and scored two touchdowns. Now, this has nothing, again, I, nothing to do with what I think of Nick Chubb as a player. I think Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in the league. But who cares about that on DraftKings, right? When he's still splitting touches with Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt is still getting red zone carries, right? And Nick Chubb has no involvement in the passing game. So, again, a lot of sharp players were, til- were tilted about Nick Chubb on, on, t- on Twitter because he scored two touchdowns at way too high of ownership. So there's just two examples right there of chalk plays that were bad plays in tournaments that ended up getting there, right? And that's a concept. It takes a while to understand. Again, I, I know people might say, oh, how can you say Nick Chubb was a bad play? He went for 20 plus fancy points. Just cover it, right? We literally just cover it. You cannot rely on, on guys to score multiple touchdowns a game, right? If you take away those two touchdowns from Nick Chubb, he's a bust at high ownership. So you cannot rely on touchdowns, right? Uh, for them to get there. So back now to the Bears defense. $4,000. Disregarding ownership. I think they're a good play. The low total game. Washington struggling offensively. Carson Wentz turnover prone. Again though. Bears defense will be over owned. And, and you got to look at recency bias. Right? Here's another point I made on... Uh, the showdown slate. So the Bengals, Ravens showdown slate, right? T. Higgins was popular and got injured. So the next day, when Juju Smith Schuster is banged up, I mentioned how Juju's going to go under owned because of what happened last night, right? T. Higgins burned a lot of people last night. They don't want to roll the dice on, on Juju, right? So Juju was way lower owned. Now, sure, Juju didn't have the great game, but he was lower owned than he should have been based on what happened with T. Higgins. It was directly because T. Higgins' injury and recency bias. Now, what's been happening recently with the showdown slates? The chalk defenses have been smashing, right? Again, I have no, no comment, no comment about that Thursday game, but chalk defenses have been smashing. So it's going to raise the ownership here. 
So instead of maybe 30 to 35%, like you saw in the defenses in uh, the Thursday game, you might see Bears D pushing 40, even 50%. And I faded Chalk Browns D. You remember that game a few, few weeks ago? Faded Browns D were 50%, 50 plus percent in some contest. And I faded. And I was, <laughs> Extreme Hunt had scored one of those uh, red zone touches. He had three red zone carries inside the five. I would have been at the top at the leaderboard, the millimaker. But instead, he got stuffed in all three, and then Chalk Dick Chubb scored. So I was like, okay, whatever. I'm still winning pretty decent amount, still winning $350. And then you saw it happen the last play of the game. The Browns did one point. At 50% ownership, the Browns did one point before that last play. So, like I said, Bears D in tournaments will probably be overowned. If they get there again for people at high ownership, congrats. Congrats. But I will not be, I will not be playing the Bears D. And I will be extremely tilted once again on Twitter if the Bears D at high ownership gets there for people. Now, once it's a different story if the Bears D was going to be 10 to 15%. If that was the case, I would be high in the Bears D. But it comes down to ownership and defense, high variance position. If a lot of the field, if half, if like close to half the field is going to play the Bears D, I'm just going to fade. So, little story time there for you guys. All right. <clears throat> Below that, uh, hard to feel great about anyone. Wide receiver three for the Bears. You did see Dante Pettis play 30 of the 50 snaps. He would be the one I would take the shot on. Amir Smith-Marset played 19 snaps. Um, you also do have, for what it's worth, where is he? Nikhil Harry is back. They have Nikhil Harry listed wide receiver four in the depth chart, so he could take some of these snaps away. So it's really hard to feel confident about anyone. If you want to take a shot at Nikhil Harry, the flat men, go for it. If you want to take a shot on Dante Pettis, at 1.8K, you can. Three and two targets, back-to-back games. It's fine. I don't love it. Rookie Vels Jones, um, he only played three snaps, so probably can't go there. And then below that, don't know if there's anyone else I want to mention. Um, backup tight end Ryan Griffin played 13 snaps, and he is, where's Ryan Griffin? He's $1,000, um, two, one, and one targets now in the three games that he has played. Just a dart throw in tournaments, so... Yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up for the player-by-player breakdown. Again, guys, I am ready for more pain. I'm ready for Chalk Bears D to score a touchdown. Um, But yeah, appreciate you guys, as always, for watching. If you do enjoy it, make sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. And I'll see you all in the next video.